this is what I'm calling right now, at least, or for as long as this uh, crazy, insane situation lasts, the weird winger, because I'm a hockey guy, I'm a soccer guy, and also some background in uh, in old guitar music. And um, I went through the Rolodex, right, and and went through people who have, have told me good stories throughout the years, and I thought, hey, man, there are people at home who... Man, their options right now are listening to local radio and some podcasts, and um, let's find some people I know can have a good conversation and have it. So uh, I'm welcoming in, and I've, the first time I've said this out loud, a Chicago Fire goalkeeper, Bobby Shuttleworth uh, from Buffalo, New York, where I'm from. And uh, Bob, how you doing, man? Good, how are you? Good. I know you've got a kid, and you're in a brand new city, and how is this all, how is this all going? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously been a very odd situation. Uh, I think my wife is a little grateful for an extra set of hands around the house right now, which is one of the positives. But, um, you know, just kind of making the best out of the situation and just soaking up a lot of quality time with um, my family as of right now. Yeah, there's definitely some positives to it. But I'm also curious, um, what what has your general take been? Is I mean, given how connected we are, and you see what happens in the world of soccer. Um, when did you kind of realize, like, oh, this is uh, this is definitely a thing? Yeah, I think it. I think it kind of, um, you know, progressively started. You kind of, you kind of could see it unfolding a bit. I mean, I know, um, you know, in our locker room, we were talking about it. Um, you know, when it was in kind of in, in China, and it seemed like you know they were getting they were going into lockdown and, you know, locking down 60 million people is saying something. So I think, you know, our, we have a, you know, some guys in our team were talking about it, how, you know, crazy it was. And, um, you know, we thought it was, and myself personally thought it was, you know, a matter of time until we were going to feel the impact of that kind of um, stateside. Everybody knows everybody in soccer. I think that's, and, and in professional sports, I should say, I shouldn't make it sound anything more special because of the sport that we love. But, um, you know, I, I don't know your roster front to back yet because it's so early in the season, but presumably you've got guys from Europe and and from South America and, and Asia and Africa and all that. Um, was it, and, and then by virtue of soccer being what it is, you know somebody who's playing in China or somebody who's playing in uh, in Europe. I mean, are there conversations about that? How do you guys stay in touch? How do you take care of people who aren't home um, and worrying about what is going on at home? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's an odd one because we have, um, you know, guys who recently just joined the team. You know, we like guys who came in, you know, a week or two ago and then their first bit of soccer in the U.S. is, you know, the entire city kind of being put into lockdown and games being pushed back and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I mean, it's just such an, such an odd situation. And we as um, players obviously feel the impact of it, uh, you know, right now not playing, not getting to train and all that kind of stuff. But obviously there's a, a much bigger situation and picture kind of going on right um that we need to deal with and um it's just you know realizing what the big priority here is and that's you know people's health and families and all that kind of stuff yeah you know before we you know just talk about your career a little bit i did want to ask we see the toilet paper challenges and everything going around in in mls and players overseas and all that um 
there's a legitimate concern with being a top-notch professional athlete. Like, look, man, Bob, I get to sit at home and my backyard's a little swampy, so Asher and I can set up some cones in the base. Asher's my oldest son. <laughs> we can set up some cones in the basement, and you know we got the little skills balls upstairs, and we play some knee hockey and all that. But I don't have to worry about like I just got to worry about not getting gigantic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are what are guys like you like? What sort of advice are you guys getting, and and how to take care of yourself in this situation? Yeah, I think um, firstly, like the club has been really really um great communicating with us and kind of where things stand and what the landscape is looking like going forward in terms of us um you know training and um games and all that kind of stuff obviously it's a evolving situation where you know things seem to be changing day to day and um i think the club has done great kind of communicating where the league is at and what we're allowed and able to do as of right now, we're not allowed to do any team training through the week. And then um, I think, you know, that's kind of something that is going to be a developing situation as as the landscape of, you know, this virus continues to change. Uh, but they've given us, you know, stuff to do at home. And, you know, luckily we're able to still get out and go for runs and do all that kind of stuff. So we have a program that we do that we're, um, you know, able to do at home and, um, the staff's really looking after us, trying to give us as much stuff as we can really do on our own um, with limited, you know, equipment and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's good, obviously. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting to me to consider that by nature, um, guys of your of your caliber, people playing at that high of a level are some of the top competitors you're ever going to meet, some of the people who are most uh, committed to, um, you know, to strength, to fitness, to health. But on top of that, Bob, um, I also think about, um, this sort of gladiator mentality that comes with being a professional athlete and to be in a situation where all of a sudden, um, you know, there's a bunker down and worrying about your family and taking care of yourself and something that you cannot control. So before we go on to your career, is there anything that, that, that anything I said there that strikes a, strikes a chord with you as someone who has probably rarely had to worry about um, about yourself health-wise other than, you know, guys sliding in and hitting a ball at you at 120 miles an hour? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is, uh, you know, a bit kind of scary and eye-opening to, to anyone. You know, it's something that's taken the entire world and pretty much put it into a standstill. So, I mean, it's unlike anything that has ever happened really in our lifetime so um you know it's like i said it's something that goes beyond you know soccer and sports and all of that stuff is you know people's health and their well-being and their lives and their family and you can understand why sports have really taken a complete backseat to that when you know people are really concerned about making sure that they're themselves and their families are looked after in a situation where it's so many unknowns and so many variables that are changing so quickly. So let's get in, get into your career. Cause it's been a fascinating one to follow. Again, we're from the same city. Um, well, we're from the same town actually, uh, if you really boil it down. And so your, I can remember watching the university at Buffalo, um, and knowing some of the guys on the team a little bit, cause I'm a little bit older than you. And your story kind of takes a real, for lack of a better term, 
ballsy turn. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and if you could just kind of take us through the steps from, I believe it was your junior year at UB to how you ended up on an MLS roster at what, 22 years old. So, um, I mean, as much as you're, you're willing to share your recollection of it at this point. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was pretty odd. And I, you know, anytime, like, you know, you make you, you know, playing at that level, it's going to take a bit of luck and all that kind of stuff. You know, obviously playing at university of Buffalo, I'm not playing at a program that is, you know, a lot of MLS teams are going to be coming out to watch, you know? So Mm -hmm. we had a good, we had a good solid squad. My, for the majority of the time that I was at Buffalo, but, um, you know, how it worked out was I played with uh, a guy, Dan Bully, who uh, I went to school with for three years. And his um, his dad was an acquaintance of the assistant coach at New England during that time, 2009. And I had a extra year that I was going to be able to play because I redshirted my freshman year um, when I was at Loyola, Maryland, before transferring to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So I had played my junior year and I was playing the spring season as if I was coming back for my fifth, for my fifth year and got an opportunity to go train with New England and um, just do my buddy that I was playing with's father. And um, they happened at the time to be looking for uh, a goalkeeper, just a young goalkeeper to come in and train and um, kind of just went from there, went in for a couple days. And, you know, it was halfway through the season. So I think pretty much they would have, taking anybody so <laughs> i got i got i got lucky in that sense and did i did owen oh, in there and did okay i mean i wasn't like uh i didn't have an absolute worldie but did fine did well enough where they said okay well we'll take you for the rest of the year so i had to make the tough decision to uh give up my last year of eligibility which was a no-brainer for me because i was not going to be able to get an opportunity like that soccer wise if i stayed um in school i don't think so but it was hard to leave, you know, teammates that were um, expecting me back for the next year, coaching staff that was expecting me back for the next year. So, I mean, that, that one hurt just a little bit because I felt like I was letting those guys and those that, that staff down. And um, obviously in college, you're very close to the guys that you're playing with. You know, you're living in the same same apartments and all that kind of stuff. So that was a bit difficult. But, um, yeah, soccer-wise, I, it was kind of a, a no-brainer for me. Yeah. And you walk into a situation um, because you skipped over the question about how much of a no brainer it was, (laughs) but you walk into a situation where you're all of a sudden in a team um, with, you know, legit U.S. national team players um, with uh, New England Revolution, you know, legend. I'm thinking of like Shari Joseph and um, Taylor Twellman. Uh, Is that still Steve Ralston, I would imagine, right? Um, yeah, yeah. your number one goalkeeper is pretty much an MLS legend, right? So, yeah. um, was, what, what were those opening days like? I mean, I know you got to kind of fake it till you make it, but was, were, was there any intimidation or were you just like, I'm here and I'm ready to go? Oh, for sure. I mean, I was very, very nervous. I mean, obviously I'd never played, you know, I show up to training and I've never played at a, uh, a level, you know, that high and. Um, you know, I had played with obviously good players previously, but we're talking about a whole different level of player. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was intimidated. I was nervous, but I was, you know, confident enough in myself and I wanted to learn and I wanted to kind of soak up everything I could, everything I could. And, you know, when I went to, when I went there to train, I just went with their, 
kind of the mentality to just learn as much as you can in that professional environment. And, um, you know, even if this is only for a few days, just take the bits that you can and get some feedback on things that you could work on and then kind of just try to continue to try to push forward. I mean, I had it in my head that I wanted to play professional soccer and I was going to do everything I could to try to make that work, no matter um, kind of what happened and all the bumps in the road. And I just got lucky enough that, you know, I got this opportunity and um, the staff looked after me and was happy with me enough to continue to give me opportunities. Um, And, you know, I just tried to learn as much as possible and soak up information from the people around me. Was there anybody you you found particularly helpful, guys, that you credit for showing you the way, as they say? Yeah, I mean, the first one, no question, is uh, Reese. I mean, this guy is, you know, one one of, if not the best goalkeeper to ever play in MLS. And, um, you know, I knew that going in. The guy had been there for so long and um, been playing at such a high level that, I mean, when I went in there, I went in there with – the idea of I just want to watch this guy operate and see kind of his ins and outs and learn everything I can. Even if the guy didn't say a word to me, I still could watch him train and right. and watch everything that he did. And, um, you know, he was where I wanted to be. So uh, I think if I could see him and watch him, then, you know, maybe if he could help me in any way possible, at least uh, that'll can help me continue kind of pushing forward to try to play and, I mean, he was brilliant with me. I, he helped me throughout my entire career while we've been together, and um, we still talk every so often, and uh, I can't say enough good things about him. So at the time, um, this is 2009, and you're um, you're playing under a guy who, <laughs> right, has, has won uh, the Football League with Liverpool um, in, yeah. in addition to obviously all these these players who had done a lot and, and New England Revolution oddly enough for guys from Buffalo um, was kind of lo- viewed at the time very similar to the Buffalo Bills as just this all-time team um, that hadn't hadn't quite or maybe they had at that point um, you'd have to correct me if I'm wrong but hadn't quite gotten over the hump um, just like an incredibly strong consistent good all the time team to be yeah. to be in that culture does that help you immediately figure out how to be a pro? Yeah. I mean, I think when I came in in 2009, I, I came in, um, like I said, halfway through the year. So, um, it was a bit of a whirlwind for me, but I mean, you had a lot of seasoned pros on that team. Shari Joseph, Matt Reese, Jeff Lorenowitz, Jay heaps, Chris Albright. Um, Taylor was dealing with his, Taylor Tom was dealing with an injury at that time, but I was still around every so often. And, uh, um, you know, you have a lot of guys that have been doing it at a high level for, for a long time. So, I mean, it was intimidating, but also like you get to see, um, why these teams have been so good, why that team has been so good for so long, because those guys were good pros and they worked hard at training and they expect a lot of each other. And, um, you know, for that half season, I got to kind of, kind of see all of that kind of happen right in front of me and knew, um, you know, what it was going to take in order to be able to contribute at that level. So then you become, you know, the dude there for a while. And that is another mentality. And I'm thinking about youth soccer people who might be listening or even guys at, at a higher level. Was it like putting on, uh, was it like putting on an old shirt at that point where I've been the number one before, or were there, were there a new level of nerves? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like uh, something that kind of happened, you know, overnight. It's like, uh, I mean, it was, it's a grind and yeah. you got to wait and it's hard and, you know, you go through it mentally and, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, both physically and mentally to get to the point where you're even kind of presented with that opportunity. And sometimes it, that opportunity doesn't even come. But I mean, I, I think, you know, I didn't get really wasn't playing you know, back-to-back games until my fifth year in the league. So, I mean, you're talking at least four years of, you know, training every day. And then, you know, in my first three or four years, I think I didn't play more than seven or eight games in a season. So, So, I mean, mean, it's... Yeah. At that point, you almost have to be like, I guess to rephrase the question, you almost have to be like, F it. Here's a chance. Like, here's an opportunity. What in the world do you have to lose? I mean, the, when you, once I kind of, there was kind of a phase where, you know, you're, you're training every day and you're, you're trying to put your best foot forward and you're grinding and you're trying to get to yourself, trying to get yourself to a level where you think you could play week in and week out. And, um, you know, then there's a second phase of kind of, okay, I'm ready to do this. I I just need the opportunity and I'm, uh, I'm ready to run with it. And that's kind of what happened with me. I felt like, you know, my first, I mean, the first half year I was try, t- trying to kind of just get up to speed. And then the next three was kind of just learning and, um, you know, really trying to see what it was like to be a starter week in and week out, just watching every, watching every week and, um, you know, playing in the games when I could, when I, when I was called up and then, you know, kind of switches to, okay, I, I'm ready to do this now and I'm pushing and, um, and once you get that opportunity, it's something where you realize how hard it was for you to get that opportunity and how much hard work mentally and physically you had to put out in order to get there. And it's not something you ever want to let go of. I mean, it's, you know, you're desperate to keep the number one shirt and play week in and week out. And um, that's kind of the mentality that I was in was, you know, I was going to do everything and I could to make sure that I was playing every game. So before we get to you know your playoff experience, um, would you say you had any doubts at that point, or were you just committed to grinding until you got that chance? Uh, like doubts of it was never going to come that opportunity. Yeah, because you're talking about being behind a legend and and then you know yeah. having to fight for it and getting a game here or there. Um, I know you're a confident guy, so you know I might know the answer, I might not. But were there ever like what am I doing moments? Of course, I mean. Uh... You know, like you go from playing college soccer and youth soccer where, you know, I was playing every game and I was one of the most important players on the team. And then you show up and, you know, my first half year, obviously I wasn't even making the bench. So you show up and you're you're back to the bottom of the totem pole and you're kind of looking around saying, is this for me? But I mean, those those thoughts kind of quickly dissipate when you realize how much you, how much the game means to you and how fun, how much you get back from it. So, I mean, I mean, I think for me personally, I was at a point where I thought I was ready to be a starter. And if it, I wasn't going to get an opportunity at that club, I was going to do everything I can to move to another club and try to get an opportunity elsewhere. Right. So, I mean, I, I took the I took kind of the thought process was I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to try to grind. I'm going to put myself in a position to be called upon, and if I am, I'll be ready. And then if it doesn't happen here, it'll happen somewhere else. 
you know, I, I was confident enough that I thought, okay, I could definitely do this. I, I'm, it's possible for me to, you know, contribute week in and week out and, and be a good starter in this league. And if it's not going to be here, it's going to be another MLS team or overseas. So I'm looking at that run you guys made uh, to the MLS Cup final. And <laughs> I guess I, I didn't quite, um, it, it's been lost in the sauce a little bit for me because it was 2014. But, um, you know, you guys have to knock off Thierry Henry and Tim Cahill and the Red Bulls to get to the final. You're at home for the second leg. Um, you know, can you take me through that experience a little bit? Yeah, I mean, 2014 was a bit of a crazy year, and it's you know one of the best one of the best seasons of uh, my career, and most enjoyable. Uh, you know, first we had such a tight knit team and um you know full of you know veteran guys and younger guys it was a really good mix and just really good personalities and everyone genuinely cared about each other in that locker room which i think was pretty evident on the field you know you know there's so many guys so passionate and really looking after each other and um you know i think towards the end of the season we went on a run where we went you know double double digit games without being beaten um and we felt you know, just the feeling in that locker room was every time you stepped on the field, you thought, oh, we're, we're winning this game for sure. You know, like, didn't matter who, where we were going, who we were playing, we thought, we're going to get this job done, definitely. Um, and, you know, we played Columbus in the first round, and they had a good team, but I think they were, you know, the, the following year they went to MLS Cup, so I think, obviously, they were probably, you know, one year away, but um, we went to Columbus, played really well, 1-4-1. Um, at home, I can't remember. I can't remember the score, but it was pretty much out of hand after the first, out of touch after the first um, game. And then, you know, New York had a very good team that year. Um, I remember going into the second night because we won one two one in Red Bull Arena, which is you know one of the best, my favorite memories as so far in my career. Winning that game two one, there you know there was like maybe fifteen hundred traveling fans there. They were so loud. Um, and then, you know, that game at home when we won, it was kind of touch and go there for a while. You know, it was um, 2-1, and then uh, they, they were up 2-1, and, you know, it could have gone either way. And um, we were lucky enough to, to kind of get the job done. And it one of the best moments of my career, for sure, just absolutely elated after the game. And um, just can't recreate that feeling that um, happens inside of you, just relief and... Um, excitement and all of it kind of just combined into one and you've also got a guy before we get to the final who uh i've had the chance to interview a time or two and is one of the most unique personalities in the game he shows up in august i'm talking about jermaine jones um and to say he's a fireball uh <laughs> is I, I think he lost one game when he was there um what was uh, what was your experience with him like? Because I know he's got a reputation for being a fireball. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean when Jermaine when Jermaine joined our team, I think you know we were it, it was a bit of an odd start for us. We uh, started all right, and then we hit a bit, we were hit a bit of a downward hill, and then we were kind of starting to come up again. And then Jermaine joined us, and um, you know Jermaine's played at the highest level. And he brings something not only to um, games, but into training where, um, you know, the level of 
intensity and training and what was expected of each player and their responsibilities definitely ticked up a bit. I mean, um, he, on the training pitch, demanded a lot of everyone. And, you know, he came in, I don't remember how old he was at that time, maybe 34 or something, but, I mean, he was one of the guys that was putting in the hardest shift during training. Um, and this is a guy that obviously played at the highest level and he wasn't going to accept anything else from anyone else, from anyone, any of the other players in the squad. So I think that definitely um, kind of, you know, pushed us into the, the next level where, you know, we had a good squad and we had good talent on our team, but this is a guy that's going to kind of grab us all by the neck and kind of force us into, you know, driving it into the next level. Um, and obviously play, like, you know, footy wise, he is a very, very talented guy. So having that engine and with the other pieces that we had around him, um, kind of push us into the next level right and you get to that final and it's i mean the team between the two teams i mean what a collection of talent on the field you got jermaine you have lee win keelan Rowe, charlie davies on the other side keen donovan the sort of guys who <laughs> you only have to use one name uh and it was really i remember watching it obviously having a, a in buffalo we had quite a vested interest here and people were out at uh the soccer bar mess k um, you know, to, to, to keep an eye on it. And it turned out to be an unbelievable game, extra time. So, I mean, I know you guys lost, but your memories of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit it's a bit mixed. Um, it's still pretty tough to swallow. I mean, um, you know, I think it's almost you'd rather lose 3-0 than lose the way that we lost, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can't, like, the team that we had put together, you know, obviously very tough place to go and play. I mean, we're flying across the country and we have been playing in, you know, cold weather for a considerable amount of time. And we go there and it's, it was pretty unusually warm for the day. So that was tough. And then, um, you know, they are, I mean, their team was stacked with talent. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's tough. We go into overtime, we hit the crossbar with like three minutes ago and then they come down and score. So, I mean, anytime that happens, it's going to be a bit devastating, you know, and I think that's kind of where I still stand with it today is kind of the what ifs and all of that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's a memory that I can always keep. And, um, you know, I look back on that and, you know, I've looked back more on the Eastern conference final, obviously than the final, but <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one to swallow, but also an experience that I have, and um, it's part of part of the game, you know. Yeah, you know, you you spend a, a couple more years there, and you get traded to Minnesota, who is in its first year in MLS, and you go from being the guy in New England to being like the unabashed, like this is going to be you, man. <laughs> like like you look at the roster, and they had been in, I believe, NASL the year before, right? So. Yeah. Um, there, there are a number of guys on that team um, who had who had done it before at a high level at MLS, but I got to imagine uh, you were looked to a little bit as well for your experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a bit of a weird situation. Um, you know, in New England, we had uh, not a great season in 2016, um, and the kind of the writing was on the wall for me, uh, just kind of personally and um, soccer wise, you know, I think my time in New England had kind of run its course and 
I was looking for a new experience and I think they were looking to move on as well. So, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, excited when I got to the opportunity to move to Minnesota. Um, and then anytime it's an expansion team, it's always going to be tough unless you're joining the league, like, you know, Atlanta and right. LAFC where you're spending bags of money and all of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I know Minnesota had a little bit of a late, jump on things and um you know the squad that we that we had had a lot of holdovers from nasl and um it kind of was a you know a mishmash kind of squad put together but you know the i think the um coaching staff did a did a good job with us we i think we got 10 wins that year uh which doesn't obviously it's not a good season but for an expansion team that especially started so poorly the first, you know, three out of four games to end up with 10 wins. Um, I think that kind of says something, you know, um, for sure. It was a squad. It was a squad that we, you know, we got along really well and had some good personalities and um, not too many guys who had really um, played in MLS. But uh, like I said, I think the staff did a good job kind of, pushing us and getting the max amount of uh, out of out of that team that we could have in that season. Well, not to skip forward too much. I just don't want to chew up your whole afternoon. You've been pretty gracious with your time. Um, you know, before I get to the, the, the fun wrap up stuff, uh, what was it like uh, being a free agent and choosing your, your own destiny, if you will, this year? Um, obviously, Chicago is one of my favorite cities on earth. So I think you made a great choice, but had to be kind of a an interesting mental journey again, referencing, of course, that, um, you know, athletes are extreme competitors and looking for the best possible situation, but also having to take care of, I mean, your, your baby is less than a year still, right? No. Yeah. 10 months. Yeah. Wild. So <laughs> quite an experience for, from the human side of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would be, uh, lying if I didn't say that it was a very stressful situation. Um, I mean, last season, uh, came into a situation where I wasn't playing in the beginning of the year and I knew I was coming out of contract and um, there were a lot of moving parts. You know, I was trying to move on in the off season and it just wasn't happening. So, um, you know, I, I went to Sacramento to, you know, get some games and um, found a good situation there. I really, really enjoyed my time in Sacramento, you know, uh, the GM and the coaching staff and everyone really looked after me really well there. So, uh, I had a very, very good experience in in Sacramento. I think the fans there are great, and the club is really, 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 really professional. Um, but then I went, you know, into the off season with you know a eight month old, seven month old baby, and um, you know things were kind of touch and go. You know, it was you know sometimes you'll hear from people, and then sometimes you won't, and you're kind of trying to figure out what's the best situation for you soccer wise, but also for your family and, um, uh, what they're, what your family's comfortable with and all that. So, I mean, it, it is exciting, not kind of seeing what the possibilities could be or would be, but also very stressful at the same time, kind of, you know, getting late in the game. I mean, I didn't sign, um, with Chicago until, you know, late January. So, uh, it was a bit stressful for sure. I mean, it's one of those things where it's so many moving parts and things are changing so quickly that, uh, you know, one day it could be looking good. And then the next day you're kind of 
twiddling your thumbs wondering what's next. Well, the good news is, uh, well, the bad news is you haven't even had the chance to play a home game yet. <laughs> but the good, the good yeah. news is, um, you know, the team does look very lively. And, um, you know, what's kind of interesting, uh, let me ask you about this because uh, I've always wondered it. The home field advantage, not because of the crowds, but because of the travel uh, in MLS is unlike anything I've ever seen. I remember writing about the league maybe two years ago and kind of tracing back and realizing that maybe, maybe, Bob, one team every year or two teams is over 500 away from home. Uh, because this, yeah. I mean, this country's gigantic, right? Um, right? Is there anything else you can credit for that difference other than the travel? No, I mean, I think I think you're like you you pretty much spot on. It's especially if you're living if you're if you're on one of the coasts and you've got to go cross country to play a game. You usually leave two days before to try to acclimate to time difference and all of that kind of stuff. But it's difficult. I mean, it's. Uh, if you speak to any of the European players that come over here, the first thing they'll tell you is the travel is is crazy, and it's I mean it's tough. There's no there's no getting around it. Um, I also think you know you go to certain places where um, you know like, there's such a drastic turn in the climate. You know if you're coming from Toronto to Dallas and it's you know late May. I mean, the weather in Toronto in late May is not probably going to be too warm. And then you show up to Dallas and it's, you know, 95 degrees. <laughs> yeah. That's so, a- I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's crazy how, you know, like just, that's just the way it is. I same thing if you're playing in Montreal and then you got to go play in Orlando in June. I mean, that's like pretty drastic change in climate, you know? So I think that, that could certainly contribute to it as well. Yeah. I mean, I, everybody, every one of us, has gone on vacation somewhere and got off the plane and been like, holy cow. And then right. we, we didn't have to go and perform at a high athletic level. I mean, most of us, I mean, I obviously did, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, so some, some, some quick fire questions to, uh, to figure it out. What's, uh, what's your favorite place to play in away, away arena, away stadium. Uh, away. I would say probably Portland. Okay. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. Just, Great fans and uh, just a top experience every time you go to play there. It's very lively, and usually I play pretty well when we play in Portland, so that has something to do with it as well. <laughs> For sure. Uh, how about guy or guys who uh, who kind of caught your eye as a competitor? They don't have to be your super, you know, Zlatan guys, but guys in that you've played against that you just went, wow, that's something. <laughs> like in terms of like their – uh, ability or in terms of like just how like how fierce of a competitor they were either man You're, it's your question it's your question to yeah. solve yeah uh in terms of like intensity I, you know you someone like kyle beckerman or chris wandalowski i mean these guys are absolute lunatics on the field i mean i'm not <laughs> I'm, I'm not far off but uh there are guys where you look at them and you're going okay this guy this guy's crazy you know this guy's not <laughs> Uh, playing wise, I mean, I've played, I've played against, you know, a lot of, a lot of good players, uh, Javinko and Robbie Keane and, you know, you play against guys who just seem to score on you every single time you, you play against them. Bradley Wright Phillips. I mean, I, I feel like every time I've played against that guy, he scores. Yeah. He does that to a lot of people though. He does that to a lot of people. Uh, one of, one of the things we used to talk about, um, when he used to come on my radio show was, uh, you're a hoop guy, right? 
Yeah. Who captures your imagination there? Um, so, I mean, unfortunately, I'm a Knicks fan. But, <laughs> so things aren't great at the moment. But, I mean, I like watching, like, Steph Curry. And uh, I like watching Clay Thompson. And um, I think Kawhi is really, really fun to watch. Just He seems to be just operating at kind of the same level all the time, which is extremely high. And it, I don't understand. The guy's like an absolute machine. He just doesn't take any plays off. And it's really, really crazy to watch are you a three ball guy i mean you, you, you like the sharpshooters or uh it always seems to me i mean to me obviously being a short italian guy italian american guy um you know you're tall um and i see i think like for me my favorite players are usually center backs and i wonder if that's because i know i have no chance of ever playing center back <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you like the sharpshooters because you're a bigger dude i mean is, is there any connection there no i mean i don't necessarily like love you know, only just the three ball shooters. I mean, uh, like Kawhi, I mean, I mean, he shoots the three, but also he's, Oh, he's a monster. I mean, that, that mid range jump shot. I mean, it's like, you think he's going to, every time he, he pulls up, you're thinking this is going in. Yeah. So, I mean, I, he's probably my, he's probably my favorite player to watch Kawhi. Yeah. And absolutely, uh, kind of an interesting personality as well last thing uh music and tunes for people who are sequestered if you want to call it that like us uh give us yeah. something give us your favorite uh either band or record to listen to and then uh give us some advice on what to watch on the internet wow um well i've been listening to the new weekend album which is very good all right uh really enjoyed that and then um i actually got a playlist with one of my buddies from ub who sends me a lot of music and uh, a lot of artists that I don't really know, but it's more like a uh, kind of slower hip hop R&B type stuff, which I really enjoy. Um, TV wise. I mean, my, my wife and I watch a lot of, watch a lot of like different series and stuff. We're watching, uh, we, wa- we like to watch a lot of British television. Yeah, We're man. watching right now a show called line of duty, which is um, just a police show based in England. Did you watch, uh, uh, did you watch yeah, Luther? Really did you watch Luther by any chance? Luther, yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, Dries Elba, I really, he's he's great. Man, and and uh, that that one was a big on, and uh, the Sherlock show I thought was incredible. But yeah, that, that yeah that show's really good as well. Awesome, man. Well, listen, I didn't want to chew up like an hour of your time, but I'm not doing anything besides watching my children. So to be able <laughs> yeah, to same here. <laughs> to be able to slip downstairs and and you know talk to anybody, let alone uh, get some content hashtag content out of it is huge. All right, Bobby, I really, uh, really do appreciate your time. Uh, stay safe out there. We can't wait to see you playing again. And, uh, you know, enjoy uh, enjoy my beloved Chicago Cubs if you get a chance. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, thank you so much.